Welcome to another episode of the Corporate Quitters Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jenny Tilgren. She is a branding strategist at Experimentation Club. And what she does is she helps bridge the communication gap between leaders and their multi-generational workforce. This should be a fun discussion, very important topic. And plus, well, Jenny's just a really great person. So tune in and check it out. Jenny. Hello. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm good, thank you. It's super early over there, but it's midday here. So the sun is shining, so we're good. Yeah, it's 7 a.m. for me. <laughs> I'm impressed that you're up this early and, and, oh, doing, a, and doing a live show. That's amazing. <laughs> don't be impressed. Uh, I've been up for about three or four hours already, so. Yeah, I know. You're, I know you're an early starter. I saw you posting this morning. And I was like, "Well, he's up super early this morning." <laughs> All right. So look, can we can we just address the ugly elephant in the room right now? Yeah. Jenny's okay. like, "Uh oh, what is he gonna say? I have uh -oh, no idea what he's gonna yeah. say." So let's just be frank here. Nobody watching is here to see me today. I doubt that. I doubt that. They're definitely here to see you. No, no one really cares. Everyone's here to see you. Oh, that's so sweet of you. That's so sweet of you. And and you know what? We have Peter here and he's saying he wonders if he can share this because he doesn't see the link. He just pressed the notification. If you want to share this with all of your friends, just share that notification, man. You can go up to the top right hand corner and there's something, the three ellipses you'll see. Just click share and share it to your little heart's content, my friend, because Everybody should be here to see Jenny because she's going to talk about communication and what it takes to communicate well in a multi-generational workforce. So here's one thing I want to ask you just to get us started off on the right foot. What do you think are the issues in communicating when it comes to a multi-generational workforce? Well, I, I think right now there is definitely, if you look at how we communicate online, it is a huge difference between the younger generation are much more open and they are sharing a lot more. Meanwhile, the, the older or senior generation are much more holding back and they're not sharing their full, full personality. It's not part of what they've done. So I think that has been a, one massive difference. And that can go back into when you work in a company that uh, the older generation might prefer having meetings, physical meetings. Meanwhile, a younger generation might prefer having chats and doing everything online. So that can be one of the, I would say, generalizations between uh, generations in the workforce that is quite tangible to look at. Uh, and yeah. All right. So now this is very interesting because you said that the older generation you know, they, they may or may not bring their personality into the workforce. So why is that important? Well, not to the workforce. In the in the workplace, they will definitely bring their, their full personality. But I would say when they are online or if they are sharing uh, things in, in public, they might not show their emotions or feel freely to talk about emotions. And this was something that I discovered, especially during uh, the pandemic, that much more younger people were sharing much more 
in detail stories about mental health and you wouldn't see the same thing from the more senior people but they could potentially reach out to me and say i lost my job and i feel quite lost because they lost their job without knowing that they were going to lose their job but then they ended up not talking to anyone about that or they were they were struggling to put what do you say put a name on their emotions that they were feeling when they were going through that so i think that is the difference that the younger generation they share all the time so for them it's not a big thing but for the senior people they are not used to doing they're used to maybe work more with titles job titles and work on the corporate ladder and and do that side of things and now when the job market is completely changing and you need to be much more open you might need to be much more transparent and you you need to walk the talk you can't say that you are a company that are thinking about diversity and inclusion and you don't share how you do that it's not enough to just put a nice picture on the on the career site or anything you actually need to show that you're living your values all right so why is that important though so for leaders who are afraid to show their emotion what are some of the benefits that they stand to gain by doing that uh Again, I would say the younger generation wouldn't believe them. <laughs> they are they are very <laughs> they are fairly fairly uh, what do you say straightforward in in um, they say they see through you. They need they need full transparency so they can they will see through the bullshit or they will see the lip service and and move forward or or they will not work with them. And I think the biggest difference right now is people wouldn't. Um, young people rather work for themselves than going into corporate if they think the corporates are not living their their values and that is i think that's the part of the reason why i want to bridge the gap because the risk is the companies are going to lose their talent because they're not keeping up with what the younger generation are looking for ah so any of you leaders out there listening i hope you understood what she just said if you can't be in touch with your emotional side at work and if you, i mean uh, online if you can't express yourself you stand to lose out on a lot of the talent that's out there nowadays and, and you know what's really interesting i find that and i don't know maybe this is just anecdotal and maybe this there's no science behind this but i actually think that the younger generation now is a whole lot smarter than i was when i was their age um I don't know what you think about that, but I just find that they come out of school and they appear to be a whole lot smarter than I was. When I graduated from college, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was just kind of bumbling around trying to figure life out. And a lot of them seem to have a lot more figured out than I did at that point in time. What do you think about that? I don't think they have everything figured out. I think they are similar to us because we they can come across as more confident than us but I don't say they have it figured out. So, but they are open to experiment a lot more. So that will be the biggest difference for them that they will they will experiment to figure it out and they will do that openly. So I think maybe that was the difference before when we were growing up, we we had to have a plan. We, we should become something or someone. Now it's much more okay to, to leave school and not knowing what where you wanna go, if you wanna go traveling or if you wanna do something else that's 100% okay, and you can change your mind. But I think that's the difference. So I don't think they have figured it out, but they, they're definitely open to experiment and ask questions to figure it out. 
You know, that's a good point. And, and what's interesting is I think maybe the way that they share on social media is one of the things that helps them to be more open experimenting because you don't have to necessarily know someone to experience their life and their lifestyle. You can just watch them on social media and say, I want to work for this company or I want to work for this kind of leader or I want to be in this industry. I mean, like I'm in the U.S. right now and you're wait, you're still in Sweden, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And we talk fairly often, but we've never met in person. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. But I would still, I would still say, so that's the, that's where the gap are. So the the younger generation will be very open on social media, and they will definitely put up a, a front that they are happy and they live the perfect life. But I have worked in different organizations where that has been a, a mask that you're putting up, and they are struggling with mental health issues. So you can be perfect online, but you're not perfect as a person. So uh, it's still, that's where the communication gap is as well, that you do need to have these candid conversations with people and re recognize what they're going through. Because even if you look <laughs> good on the outside, it, it might be stuff going on on the inside as well. So I think that's where the, the communication needs to be improved. And LinkedIn is just a great tool to use to bridge that gap. Because if, if a young person see a leader communicate and being transparent, they feel okay, they can do the same. And I think that's a really great way for, for organizations to do that. Yeah, and, and so you, you talk about LinkedIn being a great tool. I, I, I have to admit LinkedIn, I'm very biased. It is my favorite social media <laughs> Maybe platform. I, am. <laughs> I know I am. Well. We, we know you are. You have to be right now. <laughs> but no, I like I'm not a big Facebook person. Um, I'm not on Pinterest and all these other platforms. And I like to describe LinkedIn as being one of those platforms that's a, a, a pretty honest platform, because I find you have more candid conversations than Facebook or, say, Instagram, where everybody seems to be an Instagram celebrity and they're always eating five star dishes and driving cars with doors that, you know, open up, you know, that's, <laughs> so I think that, I think that LinkedIn is a very good platform. Hey, so look now, we, we've got a lot of people uh, here watching us right now. We even have people from Bangladesh and Hello. good morning. Good morning. My friend Heather is here. Heather says that she thinks the younger generation is willing to take more risk. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. And Heather also says that they're trying to use the good old fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't work like that. Fake it till you make it just doesn't work. So now we I think we both agree that LinkedIn is the best platform on the face of the earth. Right. I mean. <laughs> I, I, it depends on what what the purpose is, but I think for for connecting with with people on a professional level, LinkedIn for me is the best substitute for a physical networking meeting. So that's how I see it. I I see LinkedIn as a way for me to go. It's like going to the gym. You go to the gym to to get muscles. LinkedIn is is great for you because you can practice your communication skills. You can build a network. You can learn from other people. So it's peer-to-peer -peer learning, just like you and I have done. We got to know each other here on the platform, but we can learn from each other on new topics and new technology and, and all that. 
So it's a, it's a really good platform where you can combine all these things, because I think it's such an extreme that people think either LinkedIn is just a job board or it's just for lead generation, but it's so much more and you can do so much more in, in what you're doing on LinkedIn. So what was your big aha moment? Like you said, okay, you saw something. This was the moment that you realized LinkedIn is so much more than just a job board or like you just said, what was that moment for you? How did that happen? So the moment for me was last year when the pandemic happened or it's, it's almost more, more than a year now uh, when the pandemic happened and I was in London and we were shutting down uh, or the lockdown was about to happen before I returned back to Sweden. And I could see one of the beer companies, uh, BrewDog, the, the CEO was posting about they were doing the, the hand sanitizers. They were transforming their company to, to start doing hand sanitizers for, for helping out because it was a shortage of hand sanitizers. So that was just, I thought it was really cool because they were so quick on doing it and they, they shared it on LinkedIn. And then I started following him that he was, the CEO was posting quite regularly on, on during the pandemic and nobody else was doing it. So you, you were hearing all these bad news on, yeah, on, on, on the news, like scary news, but he was kind of posting things that was relevant, but they were still optimistic. So he became a source for me to go to and get inspired about the future because he he was he was sharing things with what was going on in the company, but he was also sharing things that they were focusing on the future. And I think by this time last year, he said he had um, expanded his network with 200,000 people in just that year. Yeah. And when you saw the same type of companies in London or in, in the UK, with the same size and they haven't done they hadn't done anything or they haven't been present they have been focused on getting <laughs> sorting their business out but they haven't shared it with their community with um, with their people or the investors or their uh, suppliers or future talent and so on so what i recognized last year was they were having a massive advantage <laughs> in that position that when the, the pandemic was shifting, they, they were still in con contact with their whole community. And I started seeing the type of communication he had with his community, community during this time was so different compared to anybody else. He get more or less job applications on his post. I mean, the, he can ask a question and he get 500 answers and they are really good answers. So he doesn't need to hire a consultant he can just post a question on LinkedIn and he will get people responding. So that was the moment when I was just like, businesses really need to shift their focus and not being the, the corporate <laughs> uh, communication on the LinkedIn company side. The CEOs and the leaders need to show their way because that's the way you, you're building the community around you and they will support you when the next crisis has happened because this is not it's not going to be the last time we're going to face a pandemic or, or face a uncertainty. So. So BrewDog CEO was able to be authentic online and then connect with his community. Yeah. And so during a time of crisis, that was what, what was different. He did that during a time of crisis when everybody else would say, I don't have time to do this. He find time to do that. 
and and that was what I thought was really cool. And for you, you were just like, oh, wow, this is how companies connect with people. Now, above and beyond just connecting with people, have you seen that equate to uh, sales or revenue or better employees, better company culture? What have been some of the benefits that you've seen? Yeah, so I mean, they they were on the edge of, he had about a month before he was, uh, before the, basically they, they would go bankrupt in, in, in April when, when this was happening. So the fact that he, by the end of the year, they were, I think they were break even or they ma managed to do a small uh, profit that year. So that was the way I could see it as well, that not only did he, because he was communicating with everyone, investors, I, I don't know if it's bank people on LinkedIn, the employees oh, yeah. and all that, that, that everyone was here. So, and the way they did it, because they started using uh, climate change as part of their uh, communication, which many companies were doing, but he did it in a fun way, which made, made people connect with them. He started doing clubs. So he managed people on LinkedIn to sign up to buy beers from him, which not many people uh, were doing it at the time. So yes, I could definitely see it, but I could see the shift because my background is I worked in a marketing agency before and I used to doing a lot of ads or you do career pages or lead generation pages. And he was just bombarding with content on LinkedIn, no ads, nothing. And people engaged in his content and he got people to start buying beer through LinkedIn and through his LinkedIn profile, which I thought was really brilliant. But see that you now you bring up a, another interesting point, though, because a lot of companies have these huge communication departments and marketing departments that do all this research and pump out all of these commercials. But what you're saying is he actually did his in a, a fun way where it wasn't um, packaged. It was just here's what I want to talk about and, and here's what I'm going to talk about. So. Is that something that you encourage leaders to do? Well, I guess a better question is, how do you encourage leaders to communicate so that it, it's not the package thing that we're used to seeing? I mean, he did a mix. So he used some of the things that he was using. He could use different days. He had different messages. So some of the days he was showing new products that they were about to launch, for instance. And some of the days he was showing the factory or he was talking about new venues that they were expanding to and, and so on. I think people, my first advice to leaders would be to just show behind the scenes, just be, be transparent and show people what's going on. People want to be part of the process. And the more you engage people on LinkedIn and ask questions or ask for their advice, the more they, they buy into your brand. And that would be my first advice to, to leaders here is to invite people to be part of the process. You don't need to have everything figured out. And that was basically the marketing before the pandemic. People needed to look like a shiny object before they, they posted anything or before they were doing advertising. And today people buy into genuine people and they buy into people showing that they don't have everything figured out and they need help. And, and I think that would be my, my best advice. 
Yeah, and that's very impactful. I think our friend Carl Sean Watkins would be happy here because mm -hmm. that, that sounds like vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> his ears are probably burning. Now, I don't know if you guys say that in Sweden, but it's a, it's a saying in some parts of the U.S. Mm -hmm. Your ears are burning, meaning somebody's talking about you. Uh, you guys say that there? Uh, we we have a similar expression like that, but but we wouldn't say the ear the ears are burning, but we have a similar expression like that. Oh, so what's what's I the get, expression I get, you guys? I, 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 I totally get ears are burning. All right, so tell us what's the expression you guys would use to say that in Swedish? Yeah, well, no, just what is the 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 equivalent in in English or Swedish? However, I'm just curious. Uh, let me think. It's like. It's like the ears are bleeding. Ah, okay. You talk, you talk so much, so my ears are bleeding. That's why. Ah. <laughs> that one sounds a little bit more morbid. But yeah. And you know, and that's what's strange to me, or it, not strange, interesting to me is I find that no matter where you are, what culture you're in, or what country you're in, a lot of our colloquialisms and sayings are very, very similar. It's like, it's almost like we're all connected as humans, huh? Oh, yeah. Very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting off the morning very beautiful. <laughs> oh, now Lori is here and Lori says that um, she thinks the younger generation is not only more confident, but also less loyal. Maybe because of their confidence, they're more willing to move on to other companies. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, and that was part of the reason why I left, um, why I quit the, the corporate side of things and I, I started doing my own business. That I discovered that I was working for a marketing agency and I was helping companies doing employee branding strategy to put up a great career page or creating great ads and also helping them with their employee value proposition. But if you just put up a nice storefront and you have your culture is not OK, people will leave you within the six, first six months anyway. So you really need to work inside out with a company. And that was what I wanted to do. I, I understood I was a hybrid that because I worked both on the marketing side, but I also worked inside a company. I understand both sides and I know you need to work inside out to get people to to work together. So to her point, she's right. We were, I guess, when we were growing up, we were sticking around, even if we didn't like it. But today's generation, their attention span is like, well, if, if this is not what I think it is, then I'm going to leave. And that was what I, I saw at the time. But I think the pandemic has just accelerated that even more because the number of young people starting their own business that I can see on LinkedIn is just accelerating right now. So I think corporates will struggle to get talent in the future because it's just a, a different way of looking at life and looking at a career. And that is so, so important. So she's she's right. Yeah, and, and I tend to agree with that as well. And we've been touching on some topics surrounding branding and, and, and how to communicate with multiple generations. But let me ask you a question. So we've been talking about the younger generation. They're a little bit more open to taking risk. They're a little bit less loyal. And a lot of them kind of want to work for themselves because they don't really like the corporate environment. So what is it 
that they are looking for? What do you think they, they, they're looking for? They are looking to, to learn. So they, they want to be part of the process. So if you, I would say the companies that have a strong vision and have a strong uh, idea where they want to go. Again, we can say like Elon Musk, for instance, you want to go to space. It's an exciting vision for people to buy into and they can understand what, what it is about that vision. And they haven't figured everything out, how to get to space or how to do everything to go there. And that is part of the process. So young people joining their company would know, I will be part of building something new that has never happened before. And that needs to be clear. So even if you are in a traditional company, you need to constantly show where you're going, but also show exciting projects for young people. If they don't see that they can grow in a company, they will leave because they they want to, to grow and learn. And, and I've also talked to a lot of uh, senior leaders who say many young people want to be promoted very often. So, so they, they might even say they want to be promoted within six months. And, and it's, it's tricky, but I, I think if you bridge the communication gap between junior and senior people, they might not need to be promoted. They just yeah. need a different project. If, if you keep keeping these hungry people, feeding them with new projects that they need to figure out and they have the autonomy to do that and they get support, they will stay. I don't think they need to get promoted to do that, but they need to feel that they are growing. That is the biggest thing for them. Yeah. And, and it sounds when you say it, it all sounds so simple, but yet hard to execute, because realistically, what I heard you say is the younger generation, they just want to feel like they're a part of a team that's doing something that's making a difference. Yeah. 100%. And they want you to communicate that to them. Yeah. And it sounds so simple. But yet so many struggle with it. So and I know I've asked you this a little bit. I touched on this earlier in a question that I asked, but why is it that companies can't get that? Like what what is so hard about that? I would say it's still different compared to different companies. I would say it's more of an issue in corporates than it is in, in startups. Definitely. are much more flexible than, than, than a corporate, but for a corporate, it will be, they are so used to working in silos and they're used to having their processes and they're quite fixed. So that has been one of the things that has been, uh, they're used to having, what do you say, an authoritative leadership where you have to ask for approval to get things done and all that. So they need to basically start by breaking down their old culture and then rebuild it into something new. So it's almost like a whole organization need to unlearn the old way of doing it and then relearn something new, some ways of working. So I work with, with big corporates that I won't, <laughs> I won't name them, but they have the top management know where they want to go but it's a journey for them to to get there because it takes time mm -hmm. for them they have done this for so many years so you can't just shift it overnight but the <laughs> the marketing that they have done has been that it's already in place so when young people start working there they will discover quite quickly <laughs> it still it still doesn't exist the the dream that they were selling them is not the same when they come on the inside 
and that will be the the challenge for it so i think that's why both yourself and me are working a lot with with social skills and soft skills because that is the biggest uh, gap right now in the workplace every you don't need to have a perfect workplace but you need to be able to talk about it and that's right that's where that's where we are right now that if if you bring people along and say we don't have it figured out yet but you're part of the journey and we are shifting this massive uh, ship <laughs> towards another end we want you to be part of building that with us then that's a big that's the big i would say revelation for them yeah and i think that's the important part because you have these leaders at the top who grew up in a generation where you needed to have this perfect polished image and like you just said the world has changed if you tell someone we're, we're driving this big ship but we're going to go in another direction and we want you to help drive it in a new direction now the way people are is they will get on board with you because there's a common cause to rally behind but the old generation it didn't work like that historically historically you were seen as an insufficient leader because you didn't have all the answers. And so the first thing that has to happen is the mind has to change. They have to realize that this is a different world. People are willing to lend a hand in new and different ways. Then once you start to change your mind, your actions will change too. And people aren't gonna believe the lip service anymore. People believe the actions. They watch what you do. They don't watch what you say, they watch what you do. And we got our friend Peter here saying, because the leadership just doesn't get it. That's why nothing is changing. And he says they simply don't want to change. And he also says they would love to stick the emails and nothing else. <laughs> so instead of having a good dialogue with someone, they'd rather fire off an email. And, you know, that, that's I like to call those kind of people keyboard warriors. They hide behind the keyboard and they just shoot off. Anyway, that's. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah yeah no no it's 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 tricky that way and it was interesting the other day i think was last week end of last week i was doing a poll on linkedin and i was doing two two different polls two days in a row i was asking people for um first what generation they belong to on linkedin and then i was asking what gender they were and the second day when i did the gender it became a massive discussion <laughs> on the poll because there were half of the people say it is only two genders and that's it. It's like they were so thick. They had a very fixed mindset that this is how it is. And I started in interacting with them and say, but it's not for everyone. Just because you see it this way doesn't mean everyone is going to see it that way. But for me, that was a very good snapshot of what the corporate world looks like right now, that there are people there who in their world they have it figured out because this is how it is but just because you see it that way doesn't mean everyone is seeing it that way so that's what i have started doing now i'm starting doing a lot of um polls on linkedin just to start having this conversation up in the open and just to recognize i can see very quickly what topics are sensitive to talk about and what topics are still needed to to be discussed and everything so i think this is it's not something happens overnight. It is something we need to uh, we need to keep discussing and listen to each other and listen and being non-judgmental and just understand where people are coming from, why they see things different. 
Well, I tell you one thing that was really funny about your poll, not that your poll was funny, but something that struck me as funny. The one on the generations. I looked yeah. at the poll and you just listed out the generations. Quite frankly, I have no idea what generation I'm in. I have no idea what label they placed on me because I don't really care about the labels, but I read it and I was like, Jenny, you got to tell me what ages, what year range, what is it? I have no idea what generation I'm in. And that's pretty sad to a certain extent, but also kind of good to another extent. So I did a quick Wikipedia search and I was like, oh, I'm in this generation. And then I went back to your poll and I responded. But honestly, I have no idea what generation I'm in and I could care less what generation I'm in. Um, Cause I'm, I'm, I think it's probably fair to say that some things that I do probably fit very well for the category, for the category that I'm in. And then other things don't fit well at all. For some, I may represent an older generation for some, maybe a younger generation. But, um, but I, I do understand the importance of categorizing because some generalizations, there, there is legitimacy to some generalizations, which is why you're trying to bridge the gap between the older and younger generation because, you know. I, I, I am the same. I don't like generalization. I don't like stereotyping people either. But I think when you are using the, the categories for generation, it is, for me, it is an icebreaker just yeah. to start people getting talking about it. And you see how easy it is. That is exactly what I want. I mean, if I would do this in a corporate environment and I would come and do a workshop around this, if someone starts saying, I don't belong to this on, on paper, my age is this group, but I don't think I belong to that. Let's just open people up to start talking. Yep. And that was what happened. Both these polls generated a lot of engagement because just like you, many people were saying the same thing. I don't feel I belong to this. Well, that's exactly what I kind of wanted to say. You only have four options when you do a poll on LinkedIn. So you can't use all the different versions of, of, of things and nuances of, of things. But it's like what was fascinating for me is people in a way treated the pool like it's an exam it's right or wrong it's like it doesn't have to be right or wrong if you feel like you want to sit in a different way that's why i didn't on purpose i didn't put the, the groups because i thought i'm going to leave it to people to feel if you feel like you're a generation set and you are 40 that's fine i don't mind you you're allowed to feel where you feel you belong you can you can say that that's okay with me but it's like you can see there's a <laughs> there's a nervousness around is it right or wrong <laughs> And, and I, for me, this is just a conversation uh, getting started. So it's been really interesting to see how these uh, conversations have have started and really taken off. Because even the gender one, I wasn't I was away for a couple of hours and I came back and I was like, I don't know if it was 90 or, or something comments around it. And I was like, whoa, how could I just thought because I didn't have it on purpose. I didn't know it was going to blow up like that when I was doing the poll. And I was like, wow. This was a, a sensitive issue. And can you imagine what it is in a company when you yeah. have all these different emotions going on uh, around this? Because I remember, for instance, uh, on, on the gender side, when I was working with tech companies and they needed to hire more women into the tech company. And the men in the company said, all you do is talking about women now. Where are we? Are we? Nobody cares about us anymore. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. So the whole gender thing is a very sensitive discussion to have within the company as well. So it was 
interesting that I did a snapshot and it, it just <laughs> bubbled up so you can see how much more discussions are needed on that topic. Well, and I think there are a couple things too. So when you talk about polls, I mean, historically they were called opinion polls. And to me, that makes sense because you realize people are giving their opinions. And a lot of times on LinkedIn, to your point, what I see is someone trying to convince someone that they're right. And I know I, I don't really understand that because when I see an opinion poll and I put in my opinion and someone disagrees with me. OK, so what you disagreed with me, but it, it does a few things. It gives you an opportunity to think about what your opinion is and why you have that opinion. After you think about it, you may figure out that maybe your opinion is wrong. OK, great. Then you've learned something. You may figure out that, well, this person, I don't really like what they've said and I've researched some more and I still believe my opinion. But the one thing it doesn't give you the right to do is attack someone. And I see a lot of attack. Well, not a lot. I see some attacks. Um, and, and to your earlier point, if you see that happening on LinkedIn, Imagine what it's like working at an organization where simply for stating your opinion, you're attacked. Or what if you're one of these horrible people that believes that your opinion is the law? Because I think every corporation has its corporate culture, which drives the things that it does factually, but also the things that it does from an opinion standpoint. And quite frankly, if the culture doesn't meld well with who you are as a person, you should probably just leave. I mean, literally, there's a culture that's been created for a reason. And if you're going to come in and try and change the entire culture, I don't know if you're going to succeed in that unless the top of the house at the culture really wants to change it. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, I, I'm just going back to the poll and the way I was doing it, uh, I was feeding back to people who said, this is right or wrong. There's only two genders, that's it. I went back to them and said, look, we we shouldn't judge other people what they feel they might have been born into a body they don't feel connected with, and that's okay. We don't need to make any judgment around that. We can allow, we, we can focus on ourselves, basically. So that is because if they would, if they would continue and they would disrespect other people, I would remove their their comment from from there so it's my responsibility as a content creator to manage my community or manage the the people in there to treat each other with respect and it's the same thing in the workplace if you are being mistreated or you see other people being mistreated it's your own responsibility to say stop <laughs> and to say that doesn't work for me anymore or to say this is another way of looking at things. Would Could we agree about looking at this in a different way? It's not about you need to change the culture, but you need to be, to be honest with yourself and stop there. Because I think there's so many people right now saying, if the leaders doesn't do it, I don't need to do it. But it's not that black or white. It's not, it's not that simple. You actually, as a person, have a responsibility. If you see someone being bullied, it's your responsibility to, to say it's not okay. Then if it doesn't change, then you can escalate it. So that's the, the difference. And if you escalate and it still doesn't change, then you can leave. <laughs> but I think there's a couple of steps you can take before you just take action and leave. And I think that's the 
probably the reason why many people leave before they have taken action and they will experience the same problem going to the next company because they haven't learned how to deal with their emotions or how to have a, a candid conversation about sensitive topics like this. And that, that's a good point because it's all about creating a culture of uh, civility. You, you got to be civil. You don't have to agree with everyone that you work with or every friend that you have or every family member that you have. But what you do owe people is some semblance of civility. Uh, now, our friend Saif, and I'm probably, I hope I'm not messing up his name, but I, I love the way he said this here. Opinions are not absolute. They are a crude product of our perceptions. We purify them with our own lenses. That is beautiful. I mean, yeah. I, that, that's yeah. just... Wait, so now let me ask you something. You just said earlier, did you say that you would remove uh, an offensive comment from your thread if you saw someone saying something that was offensive? Yes, I would. And then but you would I go would, talk to that I would, person? I will, I, will, I will first approach them and, and give them feedback. And, and I will just, like you said, people are allowed to have their own opinions, but I won't allow it in my feed that people judge other people. That is, that's where I draw a line. That if if I feel that someone say um, that they must be stupid, how can they think like this? That's for me is on the edge of you shouldn't do that because you don't know where they're coming from. You can focus on you and saying I feel like this, and that's fine with me. But if you and and I think this is where it's so important that if you claim that you are a leader you also need to address the things that are sensitive. And those are the things that I can address. And I have addressed them and some people don't like when I address them, so they remove themselves. Or if they keep coming back, then I will remove them. Because for me, this is an open space. We should be safe and we should be able to feel what we feel or say what we want to, to say. Um, but I, I don't like when people say, this is how it should be. <laughs> because we don't know that it's it's a reality we've been raised to believe certain things and they are about to change right now we're going through massive transformation in society so we don't need to have everything figured out uh, but i rather give people a nudge to say maybe it's possible that it could be a different way because we are not this person we are talking about so i wouldn't judge anyone who feel they don't belong to a certain gender that's not my that's not my role to do that. <laughs> people are allowed to feel what they want to feel. And, and therefore, I will say to people, if they say, this is how it is, maybe. Because I'm even tempted to say, let's, bring a, let's do a live show and have a discussion with people in between. Because it would be interesting to, to see this live and see if people are standing up to say the same thing when they meet someone from, from a different gender than, than they are used to. You know, so, okay, I've actually seen you do some of those nudges before, and I probably have been the recipient of some of those nudges. But, <laughs> but, but I will say, here's where we have a small difference of opinion. So let me tell you guys. So Jenny and I, we, we think a lot. We think alike a lot. But we have some differences of opinion. And it's always fun because we just have a real casual discussion about them. And it's like, okay, you think that way, I think this way. That's interesting. What can I learn from that difference of opinion? And we do this quite often on a few different subjects. But 
But here, here's what I here's what I do. I don't delete those offensive comments unless it falls into this extreme category, you know, talking about death, murder or, su or suicide or something like that. And, and here's why I don't. If someone says something that is extremely ugly, we can address it in the public sphere where like if somebody were to call somebody stupid. See, I, you, you know, my approach, I don't like ad hominem arguments. I don't like when you call when you name call. So I would ask the person, what about what you just heard makes you think that it's stupid? You need to tell me some details. Then I would address the name calling. We don't name call here. The reason that I would leave something like that up is because now you get into someone's character because that person should be able to logically defend their position and or apologize for name calling, apologize for the ridiculing. And you should... You put the you put the initial comment out in the public sphere, your apology. You should be able to put that out in the public sphere as well. So um, and I think it's a learning opportunity for folks. So I typically don't delete. I've had people say things about me in my own threads and I don't delete them. I'll give you the opportunity to say something else or to logically prove me wrong. Or if you can say that I'm wrong about what I believe or what I think, I'll come back and say, you know, my bad. You know, you're right. You bring up an excellent point. And, and to me, that that just I don't know. I don't know. But, but I know we, we so do. So, do you, so when you leave them there in your in your in your comment section, would you would you go back and ask them for an explanation like you just? Yeah. Said? Oh, yeah. You would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would ask, hmm? why do you feel this way? Or, you know, especially when people again, the ad hominem arguments get me when people start at name, start name calling. Mm -hmm. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ignorant. You're this. You're that. Why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. Because you got to be able to explain why you feel that way, because often yeah. when you get them to explain the feeling, it's a lot more deep than just the the initial adjective that they threw out. You find that there's something there's you usually there's an experience behind it. There's something that they've experienced and now they're extrapolating that to everybody that's in this group or everybody that lives in this city or everybody that has this skin tone or everybody that's, and it's usually based on one single incident or episode that they've experienced that has blown everything out of proportion. Uh, it's what I call they're majoring in the minors. So they're taking something that's very minor and making it a major issue. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's why I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I will definitely take that into consideration because I have seen sometimes if I've done that, that some people just go off on a tangent and I don't want to do that either. So I just yeah. want to, I, I, I make the nudge just to say, look, there are other people that we just need to take into consideration and they might see things different. I could, I could take another conversation with someone offline or like on the side but I wouldn't do it in, in public like that. But you have a point. You definitely have a point in, in, in doing that. But I, I haven't seen anyone doing that successfully. So I, I'm looking forward to see it when you do that next time. And, and I will follow your lead. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Success in it is relative. And, and here's the other thing. You may not come to a resolution because that person may come back with more venom. But to me, that's still successful because now you understand this person's character. See, a person of good moral character will understand that it's OK to disagree about something and still be respectful. Someone of low moral character 
will still believe that they have to bully their way into your life and make you believe and think and feel what they believe and think and feel. But either way, now everyone understands both sides underlying character. And now you can make a choice. Do I want to deal with this person or do I not want to deal with this person versus it being hidden, their underlying character being hidden behind the keyboard. So that, that's the other reason why I do it, because now you can make a conscious decision of who you really want to talk to versus who you don't want to talk to, who you want to engage with versus who you don't want to engage with. And, and Saif, man, he's he's just on it. He says that um, I stopped the conversation by saying thank you for sharing your perception. You know, I save so much energy, uh, but not going into the game of opinion. Yeah. 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 No, that, that happens. That, that some sometimes I I do that too. But I also say to to people when I coach people and they have been offended online or even at work, I say it normally depends on we are all humans in the end and we all have the same human needs. So there's one of these needs that is not being met. So if someone comes back at you and says something negative, they might not feel seen or heard at that time. So if our our need is we want to feel significant, we want to have variety, we want to feel loved and connect, connected, and we want to, um, what's the fourth one again? Variety, and we want to feel uh, uncertainty. And then we have the extra ones that is contribution and, and growth. But yep. the four ones are the one that we all have. And one of the, the needs we have more than others. So if I don't feel love and connection, I will be like a four-year-old child and I will scream until someone hears me. Yep. So instead of, I don't go into conflict with someone online to, to do that. I can rationalize and see that they, this person have an unmet need and that is why they behave like this. But I will just make a mark in my feed to make sure that everybody feels welcome and everybody feel they shouldn't be... Uh, I want to be the spark or the catalyst for people to start having these open discussions about sensitive topics. And I've just discovered now that pools are a very well, it's a good way to start the top level discussion, not the full one, because you can't do that on, a, on that kind of forum, but you can start getting people interested in a topic. And, yep. and uh, even if, if it in the beginning wasn't my purpose, but now when I can see the discussion happening, I really enjoy it because if I go back into a corporate and I said, you need to address diversity and inclusion in your company, and I have a poll to show, look at what happened. This was just one question, and this is how many people discussing just the gender question. It's much more social proof to say, why do you need to have these conversations? Why do you need to, to train your people to learn to speak with each other in a different way? Yeah, and, and you bring up a really good point about unmet needs. When people have unmet needs at the basic level, they do lash out like children. Mm -hmm. and, and that is a big part of the reason that you have bullying and things like that in the corporate workspace. It is unmet needs. And if you can meet those needs or attempt to meet those needs, then you find that people's behaviors change. And once their behaviors change, their actions change, too. Yeah, no, it's true. It is is hundred percent true. And once you learn that, that is easier when you don't go, need to go into conflict with someone. Because if you just see straight away with what need is it that this person is missing, 
you can address that need rather than attacking them and, and need to be right in the conversation. Oh boy. Oh, oh man. You just hit on one. I'm sorry. You just, you just hit on one for me. Yeah. When, especially when you're arguing with someone, which I don't suggest that I try not to argue with people to me. I'll just walk away from a conversation before we have an irrational conversation, but you do have some people that have a need to be right. You're looking at the blue sky and this person is telling you that it's red. Why would you sit there and have that conversation? It's blue. No, it's red. No, it's blue. You just walk away. If they think it's red, maybe they have some issues. Maybe they're colorblind. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm 100% right there with you. All right, so for you guys who have just joined us, we are here with Jenny and Jenny is talking about we talk well we talk we've talked about a lot of different things. <laughs> but what Jenny does is she helps these corporate leaders communicate better especially bridging the generational gaps. So we've talked about us old folks. No, I'm just kidding. We've talked about older generations, younger generations, and how we all interact in the corporate workforce. And uh, that I think we agree that there needs to be better communication. And by better, let's just get down to it. There needs to be more open communications because what most people want is to feel like they're a part of something and to feel like they're a part of something, they need to understand what the end goal is. It doesn't have to be perfect. So for those of us who grew up in a time period where we felt like all our leaders had to be perfect, that's not a requirement nowadays. People want to help build the ship with you and then help you steer it in a good, in the right direction or in a direction because nothing is perfect. You're going to shift. You know, the wind is going to, Think about last year, the pandemic came. Did any of us think we'd be where we are now? You know? And no. so if you're looking for someone that can help you navigate that sea of change, Jenny is your person. So Jenny, let me ask, if I have a need, how can you help me? If you have a need, it depends on if it is on an individual level or if it is on an organizational level. So. What I do is on an individual level, I can offer you coaching, one-to-one -one coaching. I also have online uh, training programs. And then I also about to start a group online uh, program as well. So you can, as an individual, be part of a group who is coming, people from different companies are coming together in the same, in the same group. If you're an organization, it's the same thing. I can do one-to-one -one leadership, executive coaching sessions with leaders, or I can do it as a group session, a group workshop with leaders, or I can do six weeks program with them. So for instance, right now on LinkedIn, you can focus on doing a 21 day campaign or 21 day challenge, you can call it either way. And you can get the organization together to do to, to for instance, post every day, everyone get the same topic and they post every day. And that is a way that they can learn. Um, that's a way they can learn together. And they can learn by seeing what other people what type of content other people are doing in the company so they don't need to feel i'm alone i'm alone posting from my company but because now they can see all the companies are doing that together so okay, that's so in the, the, in the end how is this going to help me how is that going to help you so yeah. you will have a toolkit yes you will have a toolkit of strategies on how to first of all position yourself on linkedin when you, when you want to be on LinkedIn. So you have a very clear uh, profile on LinkedIn and 
the way you communicate with other people. But more importantly, you also have a toolkit of how to deal with, for instance, fear of failure, fear, fear of rejection, fear of self-promotion on LinkedIn and so on. So you do know you have that toolkit of dealing with emotions that will happen both on LinkedIn, but also in the workplace. But because I'm using LinkedIn as my enabler, the same tools that I'm teaching people on LinkedIn works in, can work in the workplace. Ah, got it. So you would help me better position myself as a personal brand or as a business brand on LinkedIn or, or and in the workplace in general, real life as well. Yeah, because it's the same things. If, if you feel comfortable with yourself, it works both online and offline. So it's the same thing. It's just in a way, sometimes it's almost like I'm transitioning and you order to do this offline, like you do this in physical networking meetings. All what I do is shifting that. Why are you not showing the same behavior that you're using in a physical networking meeting on LinkedIn? So that's kind of the shift that I'm doing that I'm just showing people you already have the skills. You just need to use them in a different forum. And, and that's the so it's more it's more of a shift of a mindset that because they feel on LinkedIn it's public, <laughs> you can get away of doing in a in a net physical networking event, but it, here it's public. So if you do a mistake here, people will see that. And you yeah. need to be comfortable. It will happen. We will do mistakes on LinkedIn and we can own them and move on. And that's that's part of the the reason that I do that. Oh yeah, I make mistakes all the time. I'm one yeah. big walking mistake, <laughs> you know. So, so now, if we want to take advantage of, or not take advantage of, but enroll in some of your uh, course offerings and some of your one-to-one -one coaching, where can we find you? On LinkedIn, you just go to my <laughs> to my LinkedIn profile. You can DM me, or you can send me an email to Jenny at uh, Experimentation Club. And that's possible to do as well. Oh, experimentation.club. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that that's your home on the web, your website yeah. where everyone can find out information about you. Yes. You don't have like Instagram, Twitter, or anything like that? It's work in progress. I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. I'm focusing on, on this uh, on this platform for now, but I'm I'm touching on Instagram, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert on Instagram, so I'm not gonna I'm not going to give anyone my hashtag on Instagram because it's, it's very much work in progress. <laughs> this is a funny answer because I was expecting you to say, no, I'm a master at LinkedIn and that is where I'm going to No, because that will get, go against me because that's where we have to adapt to the world that, that is out there right now. I would always yeah. say for me, LinkedIn will be a, a more advanced platform, but I can see Instagram has changed over the year as well. And it's not just what it was before about influencers just showing what they were eating for dinner and, and all that. I've seen from a corporate perspective, it's, it's good as well. But I still think LinkedIn is much more uh, advanced in how we can communicate with other people here. But yeah, definitely. We have to be agile in the way that we think about these tools and use them to our advantage, both mm -hmm. uh, personally and professionally. So is there, is there anything you want to leave everyone, anyone, if, is blah, 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 blah. After an hour of talking, now I get tongue-tied, right? See, I told you, I'm a, one big walking mistake. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with? 
Yes, I want to leave them by just saying, if you're not promoting yourself on LinkedIn, who is going to do that? So it's only one person who can do that. Nice. And on that note, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like this episode, go to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating. I think we deserve it, don't you? If you want to know more, go to thecorporatequitters.com. Again, that is thecorporatequitters.com. You'll find articles. You'll find apparel. That's right, we've got merch. You'll find ways to contact us and to keep in touch with us www.thecorporatequitters.com Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.